0: Let's be honest. Many of us would probably say we survived a family of some level of dysfunction. Even as adults, how we respond to conflict is often affected by how our family handled it when we were growing up. In this week's episode called What Dysfunction Looks Like, Chris dives into the crazy conflict and dysfunction happening with Isaac, Rebecca, and their family, and how the cross brings us all hope. Let's take a listen.
1: Welcome back to our series in Genesis. This week, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 27, and boy, do we have a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time, let me catch you up while everybody's turning to Genesis chapter 27. uh, Let me catch you up on this family we have been traveling with. Uh, It's the family of Abram or Abraham, as you may know him. Uh, he, He was living in the desert uh, in a, in this pagan land, uh, most likely a pagan worshiper at the time. Uh, and and God shows up and says, I want you to follow me. And, and I want you to follow me and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you into a great nation and I'm going to give you a family. And Abraham was on in years. He had no kids. He had really nothing going for him. Uh, and and I love it because for me, God is, is kind of picking the underdog and, and, and pulling him into the story. Now, Abraham becomes kind of the center of... Three major world religions. He becomes the, the, the center of history, probably impacted history more than anybody else who's ever lived, which is amazing. This nobody becomes a somebody. And as we've been traveling with him, we've watched the mistakes he's made along the way the bad decisions he's made, the dysfunction. And really dysfunction, if I can think of one word to describe this family, it's dysfunctional. It's like watching a reality television show. They just do stupid things and treat one another poorly and, and all these other things along the way, and yet they keep coming back to God and to following God. And God redeems them, and he redeems their mistakes as they go, which gives me an incredible amount of hope because I do stupid things too, and so do you. We are all in in some ways, dysfunctional. And I think God put these stories in the Bible. He He allowed the story to be told the way that it happened so that we can, one, draw hope from the fact that if God can use these folks, He can use us. And secondly, we can learn how to avoid some of the dysfunctions that they walked into. And they were kind of learning as they were going, and and so today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at pull out of this passage some dysfunctions that we see in families specifically. Now it might be your workplace, or I mean, these dysfunctions carry over to wherever you are. Well, Abram or Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. And we're at that point in the story now where we're with Isaac and his, his two sons, Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, and their two sons. And we've been with them for the last couple of weeks. Their first son's name was Esau. They were twins, so basically were kind of born at the same time. But Esau came first, and he was a hairy dude. He was like a little hairy bugger. He came out. He he kind of had a fur coat on when he was born. Some babies are born that way. Uh, He grows up to be kind of this manly man. He loves to be outside and hunt and fish and play sports and do all that stuff. Jacob, on the other hand, was more of a mama's boy. He liked to hang out at home. He liked to cook. Um, He and his mother bonded. Esau and his dad bonded. Mom had her favorite. It was Jacob. Dad had his favorite. It was Esau. And that brings me to the first dysfunction that we can see right out of the blocks. And that is this. Dysfunctional families have favorite kids. Dysfunctional families have favorite kids, and everybody knows it. Now, the reality is mom's Some parents are going to bond with one kid over the other or whatever, but nobody should ever know that, right? Like no kid should think, well, my my brother is the is the favorite or my sister is the favorite or anything like that. I mean, they like dysfunctional families have favorite kids and everybody knows it. So the reality of if you have a kid that you like better than another kid, just don't tell anybody, okay? That's, a, that's a very, very important. When chapter, in verse 1, chapter 27, it says this, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his son, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. All right, so you may remember a couple weeks ago, Jacob and Esau had this little exchange where Esau was out in the field. He comes he comes in, Jacob had prepared some lentil stew, and Esau's like, give me the food, I'm hungry. And and Jacob's like, well, I tell you what, you can have a bowl of soup if you give me your birthright. And Esau's like, I don't care, whatever, have the birthright. And he trades his birthright for a bowl of soup to his brother Jacob, all right? Now what 's going on in this story is kind of a continuation of that story. Isaac, as the father, would give a blessing to the son who would rightfully have the birthright now, in their culture, typically that's going to be the oldest son, and they pronounce this blessing over their oldest son or the son sometimes there are, there are situations where it 's not always the oldest son. This could have been one of those situations um, but where he pronounces his blessing over the son and it legally transfers that birthright at that moment. It's kind of the, the ceremony that transfers that birthright. And with the birthright comes all kinds of privileges. Like they get a double portion of the of the inheritance. So, if it was the two boys, the inheritance would would be broken down into three parts, and the one getting the birthright would get two of those parts, and the, the other one would get one of those parts. So, they get more stuff, but they also represent the family. They become kind of the patriarchal leader of the family. They spiritually lead the family as well as they receive this blessing from dad. And in this situation, because of who this family is, because the promise God has made to them, they're not only passing on the stuff and the leadership of the family and all of that, they're passing on the lineage of Jesus, like the savior of the world who's coming. This is kind of a big deal. And Esau just kind of throws that aside and says, Yeah, whatever, give me a bowl of stew. And you would think this would be a touching scene. Father, son, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have this exchange, and uh, and so, but it's not. You got to understand what's going on. Um, Typically, the passing on of a birthright, the, a blessing like this, was a public endeavor. They would call together the family and, and the neighbors and the people in the region. And it's kind of like what happens with the transfer of power between Queen Elizabeth and, and, and King Charles, right? It's a public pronouncement. It is a passing on of the leadership baton. But Isaac, this is sneaky. He calls Esau in and says, okay, I know you traded with your brother, but I want you to be the dude. So you come here. You're my favorite. We're going to do this in secret behind closed doors. So it's not a touching scene. This is sneakiness going on, um, which brings me to dysfunction number two. Dysfunction number two is this. Dysfunctional families have secrets, and they sneak around. Dysfunctional families have secrets, and they sneak around. You know, uh, dysfunctional, dysfunctional families or marriage, you know, marriages are like, you know, leave an iPhone on the, on the counter and somebody else picks, what are you looking at my iPhone for? Why does it matter? <laughs> you got a secret? Maybe. You know, we, we keep secrets. We keep things to ourselves. We sneak around a bit. That's the sure sign of a dysfunctional environment. Well, in verse 5, it says, now Rebecca the wife Isaac's wife was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau all right so rebecca is eavesdropping she's got an ear to the door she wants to know what her husband is saying because he's not telling her you know everything that that she as we will see later on in this this passage she she is either eavesdropping or she has servants eavesdropping and reporting to her everything that isaac says, which brings me to dysfunction number three. In dysfunctional families, mom and dad don't communicate. In dysfunctional families, mom and dad don't communicate. She's eavesdropping. She has servants listening in. And my question for this is, is really simply this. What the heck happened? Remember back in chapter 24 when this was a Hallmark Hall of Fame special? I mean, they saw each other for the very first time and, and their, their hearts beat out of their chest and it was love at first sight. And it was like, it was like watching a hall, you know, it, it, with a minute 30 left, they kiss, you know? I mean, it was perfect. It was, it was right out of a, a novel. And now they're not even talking. Now she's eavesdropping. He's sneaking around behind her back. What happened? How do they end up in this place where they've got separate checking accounts and separate passwords and and they live separate lives? They sleep in separate rooms. They have separate hopes and dreams for for their kids and their family. They have separate favorite kids. What happened to this marriage? How did it end up here? That's a question I'm sure there are. Are some sitting in the congregation or watching online who are asking that question about their marriage? How did we end up here? How did it end up that we we don't talk, we don't communicate? How did the fire go out? How did we die? How did we grow apart? Maybe it was when the kids came along and mom chose the kids and dad chose work, or maybe the parents chose different favorite kids. I, I don't know. I don't know when it happened for you, if it's happened to you. I think it was probably the different favorite kids for this one, but they stopped. They stopped growing together, and they grew apart. Guys, this is a reality of so many marriages in our culture, and not just in the culture, but in the church, where we, we don't communicate anymore. We don't talk anymore. We have different dreams and different hopes. The marriage is on life support. And 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 if you are a follower of Jesus, let me just challenge you right now. This part of the message is for you. Fight for your marriage. Marriage is hard, right? That that love, the, the warm fuzzies and butterflies we feel in in chapter 24, right? To 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 nurture and maintain that love, that communication, that connection, a healthy relationship. It takes a tremendous amount of work. We just say, I do, and then we don't. We, we stop. We stop writing the love letters. We stop going on dates. We stop investing in the marriage. We stop. And you can't stop. You've got to work at it every day. got to ask the question, What do they need? And sacrifice your own wants and desires for the other person's wants and desires. Commit yourself to outloving that other person and communicating even when it's hard. I think that's a lot of times. People are conflict-averse. There's a hard situation. And rather than face it and actually have the conversation, they just go to their corners and then begin to grow apart. And instead of doing what Rebecca does next, she should have walked in that room and said, Wait a second wait a second. I haven't had a part of this conversation. We need to talk. And they should have worked it out as a family, but she doesn't because the communication is all jacked up. Mom and dad aren't talking. The boys aren't talking. Dad's not talking to Jacob. Jacob. Esau is not talking to mom. It's all rumors and eavesdropping, and nobody is talking to God in this story. Nobody is. God's not even God's mentioned once, and it was just kind of a throwaway line. Nobody is seeking God. And most of the time, when there is no unity in a family or no unity in a marriage, there is no prayer. Most of the time. And you're like, well, my, my marriage is on life support. I don't think it's going to make it. You want to start loving the other person again? Start praying for them. At the core of the problem is a spiritual issue, and you need a spiritual solution. And when you start to pray for somebody, not only does it invite the presence and power of God into your heart and into the situation, but it orients your heart towards that other person. It's hard not to like and eventually love somebody you're praying for. Talk to God what goes on, it says, when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, look, I over, So this is what Rebecca does instead of going and having a hard conversation. It says, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you, give you his blessing before he dies. Well, Jacob has this moment of, of, uh, I don't know if it's conscience or he doesn't want to get caught, but he thinks better of this plan, right? He's like, I don't know that this is a good plan, mom. And so it says, Jacob said to Rebecca's mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. It's like, dad's going to know the difference if he touches me. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be uh, tricking him appear to be, you would be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Well, his mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Go and get the goats for me so I can prepare this tasty food and you can go in and you can sneak your brothers the the blessing that your father wants to give to your brother, but you deserve. Now, this is an interesting dynamic. Because Jacob is not a 15-year-old boy. He's 50 years old at this point in time. And his mother is directing his life, right? Jacob is letting his mom run his life. Rebecca is bossing her 50-year-old son around and is just saying, and we hear this over and over again through the story, you just do what I say, son. You just do what I say verse 14, it says, so he went and got them and brought them to his mother. He's doing what she said, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She's even dressing him, like, grow up, Jacob, grow up. Brings me to dysfunction number four. In dysfunctional families, parents don't stop parenting. In dysfunctional families, parents don't stop parenting. They don't allow their children to grow up and become independent. They continue to parent their adult children, and this is dysfunctional. We are designed to grow up and become independent. Independent. We see this in the first part of Genesis where, you know, a man and God created the man and woman and they're to leave their parents and cleave to one another. They become their own adult unit. You know, when we say, I do to her or to him, we're saying, I don't to our mom and our dad. And we are becoming our own adult unit. Now, for those who don't get married... You know, when you're by the time you're 50, you should probably be your own adult unit. You know, I mean, like he is—he is mama's boy, and she is—she is directing things. Now, I want—I don't want you to hear me wrong. Here, we are always to honor our parents, always to honor our parents. But there are some times we need to say in a very polite, kind way, "But out." No, I'm an adult. I need to make this decision myself. And that is healthy, and that is good. Otherwise, it's dysfunctional. And all the daughter-in-law said amen, right? Because how many grown men are still being directed by their mothers? It's kind of an epidemic in our culture. Stop it. It's dysfunctional. God shows us that. When well, verse 16, it says, She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins, because Esau is hairy and Jacob's not, so now he's got hair. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, "'My father!' Yes, my son,' he answered. "'Who is it?' So Jacob's a little confused because something isn't adding up here. Jacob said to his father, "'I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing.'" Jacob looks at his father square in the face, and lies to them. I'm Esau. Like, I mean, a bald-faced lie. Which brings me to dysfunction number five. Dysfunctional families lie to each other. Not only do they sneak around and, and keep secrets and, and eavesdrop and, and do all these other... I mean, but they just lie to each other. It's, it's not about one another at this point. It is about getting what they want. And if they need to lie to get it, that's what they'll do. But guys, this creates a dysfunctional hell that this family kind of lives in, as we're going to see. It just kind of unfolds from here. In verse 20, it says, Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? He's a little concerned. He's like, you just left. How did you get that food and get back here so quick? It takes a long time to get a trophy buck. Jacob lies again. The Lord your God, he drops God's name. The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son, Esau, or not. He's like, he's like I, I can't see. And his hearing is, he's probably, uh, historians believe that Isaac is between 135 and 140 years old here. His hearing probably isn't what it used to be, but good enough to know that he's like, I don't I'm not 100%, that's Esau. And so, and they live in this This environment where they have to question everything because there's, well, there's no trust, which brings me to point number six, dysfunctional families don't trust each other. Dysfunctional families don't trust each other because when you live with secrets, when you live without communicating, when you live telling lies, when you live in an environment where you're just trying to get what you want, you can't trust anybody. And guys, we're designed to live in, in households where trust and love and concern for one another, that's God's way. That's God's design. This is not. And so you're always on edge and you're always kind of wondering. You're like, are you sure? And, you know, let me, and he just keeps coming back and trying to, to confirm that this is not, um, Jacob, but but that it is Esau. Verse 22, Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not, he did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, the goat skins, he felt the, 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 the fur. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked one last time, like, can you imagine I am, he replied. He lies to his father's face again. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate it and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. Now, I think Jacob's still a little suspicious, and he's pulling the oldest parent trick in the book. You know, when you get home on Saturday night, I want you to stop in and give me a kiss goodnight. Not because he wants to kiss goodnight. He wants to smell. His eyes aren't so good. or uh, His eyes are, are, are gone. His ears aren't so good. His senses are deceiving him. He's like, well, at least I can smell if you're Esau or not. And he leans in. And in verse 27, it says, so he went, he went to kiss and he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, this was the, the final deceit that sealed the deal. And he said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. He smells like the great outdoors. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. Very similar to the the blessing that God spoke over Abraham. But this, this, in their culture, it's a legal and spiritual binding contract. The birthright has been passed on with the pronouncement of this blessing. It is done. Well in verse 30, Isaac leaves, this says is after Isaac fi- or, not Isaac, Jacob leaves. after Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, "My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing." His father asked him, "Who are you?" because he he just can't believe what what he's hearing right now. And he says, I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Guys, the level of dysfunction here is stunning. Dad tries to trick the family. Mom tricks dad. Esau tries to, to, to steal back the birthright. Jacob comes in and steals it. Everybody is lying. Everybody is sneaking. Everybody is tricking one another. There's not a good person in this story. None of them do right. None of them are heroes. None of them deserve our sympathy. In verse 33, it says, Isaac trembled violently and said, well, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me. I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. Isaac's rocked, where it says he trembled violently. Literally, in the the Hebrew, it reads, he trembled exceedingly with great tremblings. He is shaken to the core. He has been out-sinned at his own sin. He has been out-gamed at his own game and he lost. And his boy, Esau, his favorite, isn't going to get what he wanted him to have. Isaac had his plan. It was going to be Esau. And if he had to lie and conceal to get what he wanted, so be it. He's not a good guy. Rebecca had her plan. It was going to be Jacob. and she had to lie and conceal and, 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 and so be it. And what we're left with here at the end is an unhealthy marriage, brothers who are at each other's throats, broken hearts, broken plans, and a family torn apart. This is not a fun story. In verse 34, it says, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry, don't feel sorry for him. He burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me! Me too, my father! But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? Jacob means trickster. Well, this is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Again, don't feel sorry for Esau here. Esau gave away his birthright two chapters ago. The Scripture says describes it as he he despised it. He thought so little of his birthright, of his part in God's plan. He doesn't care about God's plan. He just wanted the food. He He wanted to fulfill that momentary urge to fill his belly with food. He didn't care what God was up to in the big picture or his part in it. And he didn't trick Jacob, or Jacob didn't trick him. He gave it willingly to Jacob. You know, the thing about, as I read this, I'm just like, who, 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 who am I in this story? Who do, who do I re- relate to best? And I can see a little bit of me in all, all, the, all the players. But Esau is so me and so you. How often we trade away our part in God's story to quench a momentary appetite. How often we are willing to... I mean, how many men are not leading their families, spiritually or otherwise, leading in the church, leading in their community, because they are addicted to pornography or some kind of sexual addiction, and we we have this momentary appetite. And they give themselves to that and trade away their part in God's story. Now, I'm not saying God can't redeem that. He can and He will. If you will turn from, from whatever that appetite is you give yourself to, God has a part for you in His story. But Esau, Esau's not a good dude. Esau chose to live that way his whole life. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse 16. It, it, it references Esau, so this is a New Testament passage. It says, "See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who, for a single meal, sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. He traded his part in God's story for an appetite satisfaction in a moment." And afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what what he had done. There is a consequence. There's always consequences to our sin. And he wasn't remorseful about his behavior. He was upset. He was crying because he didn't get the stuff. He didn't care about God's story. Scripture makes that clear. He didn't care about his birthright beyond just getting the stuff. So don't feel sorry for the old man. He was trying to sneak the blessing in on a son who was ungodly, didn't deserve it, married two pagan floozies, traded his birthright, had no business carrying the family line of the Messiah. But he happened to be dad's favorite. Don't feel sorry for the old man. And don't feel sorry for the, the little Harry Hunter boy who was actually 50 at this point. You know, one of the things that struck me as I was going through this, this account is this is such a clear picture of what sin gets you. When we choose sin, we end up broken. We end up, we end up with an unquenchable thirst. We end up with dysfunctional relationships and dysfunctional families. We end up with this. We end up with this mess. In verse 37, it says, Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you with this with his blessing. I've made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants. I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud, his father Isaac answered him. This isn't much of a blessing, but this is what he speaks over his son in kind of blessing form. He says, "'Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck.'" What a blessing! You're going to live in the desert, my son. You're going to fight your way through life. Jacob is going to rule over you, and then when you get sick of it and you can't take it anymore, you'll rebel against him. Amen. <laughs> Jacob chose a wicked life, Hebrews says. And this is where a wicked life le- leads. We will always be parched. We will always be broken. We will always be in conflict. And that's not something God put on him. That's something he chose. As it is something that we choose when we choose sin. Well, in verse 41 it says Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to him, The days of mourning for my father are near. In other words, dad's going to die soon. So then, after he dies, I will kill my brother Jacob. Esau has a grudge. I understand. But uh, dysfunction number seven, dysfunctional families hold grudges. Jesus makes it clear, as crystal clear as possible, that we are to not hold grudges. And it's for our own good. You know, it leads to physical sickness. It leads to heart sickness, spiritual sickness, emotional sickness. It makes us toxic when we hold grudges. It's, dysfunction, it's a dysfunctional thing to do, and yet that's the direction that Esau goes, and that's the direction that our culture goes so much of the time. In verse 42, when Rebecca was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. There she is again. 50-year-old son, I want you to do what I'm telling you, honey. Uh, Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Rebecca gets what she wants here. She gets her boy, gets the blessing, gets the birthright. It, 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 it all kind of comes out just the way she wanted it to. And She was, you know, dishonest getting there, but it ends up wrecking her life. There are consequences for our sin. Even when we get what we want, we don't get what we want. She never gets to see Jacob again. He's gone for 20 years. She's dead by the time he comes back. The brothers, they hate each other. Dad lives with regrets and the family torn apart from the inside out. Dad ends up, he was just having a bad day. He thought he was dying. He ends up living another 40 years, so he has to live in this mess for the next 40 years. And guys, none of that was God's plan A. God does not desire that we live In this kind of dysfunction. He wants us to live above this kind of dysfunction. Now, are we all dysfunctional? Yes. But can we get better through the power of God in our lives? Can we walk out of it? Can we choose to forgive? Can we choose to tell the truth? Can we choose? Yes, yes, yes. And life gets better as you do. This was not God's plan A. We end up, what was God's plan A? I have no idea what God's plan A was. We'll never know, but now we got this mess, and God takes plan B and makes something amazing out of it. God takes our messes and turns them into masterpieces, as it said. He does with these guys. He allowed the sin here. Doesn't mean he condoned it, and it certainly wasn't his plan, but he redeems it, because eventually through this family comes the Savior of the world. Now, they go through a lot of ups and downs and a lot of pain along the way, especially as they choose to walk away from God. They end up in slavery for 400 years. They're exiled several times. They're occupied several times. There's a lot of pain that comes their way when they choose sin over following God, just like there is in our lives. But God uses it all, and He brings it to a place where He accomplishes His will, His plan, His purpose. And the part that they got to play in all of that may may have changed along the way. They got to play a part. I don't know about you, but again, as I read this story, I think, man, these people are messed up. The whole family's a mess. And yet it's Jesus' family. Like He chose to be born into this family. And if Jesus would choose to be born into this family, that gives me an incredible amount of hope that maybe God could be be alive in me. Maybe I could be part of his family. Maybe, not just maybe, definitely. He could use my life and write my life into the story that he's writing and your life as well. You know, What I see when I look at this family, when I look at this chapter, is a bunch of jacked up people who need redemption, who need a cross. And eventually their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson great great, 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 great is born and dies on a cross to pay for the forgiveness of all that sin so that we can be in a relationship with God. 1 John 1, 8, and 9 says this If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, none of us are sinless. We all are children of Adam and children of Eve, and we all have a propensity to sin. So don't deny that. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, when Jesus was born, everything changed. And when Jesus died on the cross, He paid for all our mistakes and all our dysfunction. And now in the age that we live in, as we place our faith in him, as we confess our sins to him, he gives us a brand new start and his spirit comes and lives in our hearts and empowers us to walk out of those dysfunctions and to live a different kind of life, not perfectly, but a different kind of life that brings peace and joy and unity and love and integrity to relationships and to families. And God offers that to you no matter how messed up your life, your family, your background is, that what Jesus did on the cross covers it all. And you can begin a relationship with him today just by saying, Jesus, I confess and admit that I'm a sinner, and I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Come into my life and help me follow you. In your name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app, You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.